Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Hey, how good is that? Yet not I, but Christ in me. Isn't that beautiful? And uh, wow, thank you. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, team, for leading us. We are just so, just, uh, we're so, I feel so privileged that we get to worship our God together in this family of God. Uh, my name's John Adams. If you didn't know, lead pastor at the Vine. I want to welcome you here. If you're here in person or online, thanks for joining us today. And we are, we are continuing our series on uh, what, what do you think? And today we're going to be looking at a question this morning called, Is Marriage Meant to Be Lasting? And so as we look at God's word today, uh, we're going to uh, dive into this question and how Jesus answered it and what you think and what the culture think really does matter. It's, it's very interesting to see what the culture thinks today about, about marriage. Um, I read this week from the National Marriage Project this, the societal acceptance of, for example, divorce cl- continues to climb with nearly 80% of Americans agreeing that divorce is morally acceptable, up from less than 60% at the turn of the century. Accompanying this trend, fewer Americans than ever before believe that getting a divorce should be more difficult. Belief that divorce is morally acceptable has increased from 59% in 2001 to 76% in 2018. This is sobering news as more permissive divorce attitudes are associated with lower quality, more unstable marriages. And you know, the last line there is just the more we see, like especially through COVID, it's been hard on a lot of marriages. And we've dealt with a lot of, a lot of marriages and families as your pastors and elders. And, and there's a lot of struggle out there, honestly. COVID has not been easy for, for many marriages. And as, as kind of those, the, our marriages get, you know, struggle, the, these kinds of views of, of divorce, just these attitudes just kind of grow. And so wh- what do you think about this? And how do you deal with this? And I know everyone in here, you might be uh, married or single. Um, you may have even gone through just the hard place of going through a divorce. And so today, what does God's word say to us, the church, about this issue? Is marriage meant to be lasting? Will you, will you look with me in your Bibles as we continue this, this study of Mark, uh, Mark's gospel? And we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse number 1. And I want to remind you this morning that this is God's gracious, beautiful word. And we want to put ourselves under its beautiful teaching and authority. And he left there, and he went to the region of Judea, and beyond the Jordan, and the crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up in order to test him and asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, 
he wrote this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And in the house of the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And she divorces her husband and marries another. She commits adultery. This is God's gracious word. We give thanks to him for his word today. And so as we look at this question, is marriage meant to be lasting? The first thing we're going to see from this passage today is this. Your answer reveals your heart. Now, as we look at the context of this passage, we see here that it was the religious leaders who kept really all the rules. 613 regular rules the Pharisees kept. And their chief purpose in coming to Jesus with this question about marriage and divorce was really to trap Jesus. They, but Jesus turns it to the heart of the issue. He makes it about their heart. And the Pharisees, you see, were looking for loopholes. They were looking for legalese. And they missed the very thing that God wanted to teach them, what Moses actually had to write from God's word in the Old Testament. So again, remind you that Jesus, again, is the context is Jesus is traveling with his 12 from the Sea of Galilee down to Jerusalem where he will be arrested and he will ultimately die on the cross. So when he comes to the Jordan River, the head of it, they turn left, if you will, and go to the east side of the Jordan River. That's what it's talking about when it says they went to the, verse 1, region of Judea and beyond the Jordan on the east side. And there it was in a region where Herod Antipas was actually the ruler. He was the son of Herod the Great after Herod the Great's death. He divided, the kingdom was, of Israel was divided into about four areas of rule. And Herod Antipas ruled in Galilee in a, this area called often Perea. And there in this area, uh, remember the story maybe you, you, you might, might know from Mark chapter 6. Herod Antipas actually steals his brother's wife, Herodias, um, from from his brother Philip, and he uh, has an affair with her, and then he divorces his wife and marries Herodias. And, and then uh, John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, actually comes against Herod Antipas and Herodias for this, what was going on. And, um, and, and Herodias didn't like it. And so she and her daughter make this plan, and her daughter dances for Herod Antipas, and he one night says, I'm going to give you up to half my kingdom, whatever you want. And she says, I want you to kill John the Baptist. And so he actually has John the Baptist beheaded. And, and remember that now Jesus is in this territory. The Pharisees accuse them right there. And they are wanting not only to put Jesus into a trap logically and religiously, maybe he wants them, 
They want him even to be arrested, perhaps even to be killed by Herod Antipas. And in verse 2, we see here that it tells us that the Pharisees came to test or literally tempt Jesus. Again, they're, they're trying to trap Jesus. And they asked Jesus a question there in verse 2, looking for this legal loophole. And it's this, this question, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And so Jesus responds to him in verse 3 and says, well, why, what did Moses command you? And remember, Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. And there the Pharisees answered in verse 4, and said, they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. Now, instead of talking about marriage in the beginning in Genesis, the Pharisees take this fine point of the law in Deuteronomy. Have you read Deuteronomy? It talks a lot about the laws pertaining to Israel. And in chapter 24, verse 1, this is actually a quote of that very verse. And the religious leaders, the, the rabbis, had two big schools of interpretation of Deuteronomy 24.1. The one school, Rabbi Shammai, said that a husband could divorce his wife if the wife committed some moral failure. And the second school was this, Rabbi Hillel. And he wrote that a husband could divorce his wife for almost anything. Even if he was just annoyed with her, he could say, I divorce you three times, and it was done. And so they had pushed this law that never was intended to create that kind of interpretation for God's people. And so um, here we see that, that this revealed really the heart of the Pharisees and the religious people of that day. They didn't really want what God wanted. They just wanted to justify themselves and they wanted their position to be upheld. Clearly, the religious leaders in that day did not believe in a lasting marriage. You know, so is marriage meant to be lasting? Your answer will reveal your heart. What's your heart? Where's your heart at as you look at marriage? as you think about marriage and you think about even divorce, where's your heart today as you consider this? But secondly, not only will your heart and your answer reveal your heart, but we see that Jesus' answer reveals his heart. He would not be seen trapped by the dispute over an interpretation of the law. Verse 5, and it says, And Jesus said this, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. Here Jesus is, is saying that this commandment, Deuteronomy 24.1, was written not to make divorce acceptable, but rather to limit divorces, divorce and its consequences. And what he was saying was, You religious leaders, you have the hard hearts. You're supposed to be leading the people to God's heart and to know God and his word and to love him and the heart of God. But your heart is hardened with unbelief and your own sin because you want what you want. You're not looking for what God wants. 
And so Jesus goes on to quote um, Moses, and he goes back, not to Deuteronomy, he goes all the way back to Genesis, to the beginning of creation. In Genesis 1.27 and Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. And we see these two verses of, in the Old Testament that are beautiful. That, that Jesus goes back and affirms the teaching of the Old Testament that grounds us in what God's view of marriage is. And so he writes this in verse number six. Mark does, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. You see, God created male and female, and as his image bearers, in his very likeness. This is beautiful. He created a sacred union between the man and the woman. And this union was to be permanent. And it was to reflect, not just any union, but to reflect the union of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit for eternity past God had been in blissful union with one another, right? Perfect union. And here he's saying marriage is to reflect the union of the Godhead and that intimacy and that closeness and that permanence. It, it lasts. It goes through ups and downs. So in verse 7, he says that marriage was designed for the for the husband to hold fast with a sense of permanence to his wife. And then in verse 8, he goes on to say that marriage is actually two people, a husband and a wife, who become one flesh. And we know that's a mystery. It's supernatural. It's a spiritual union that God says marriage is really all about. And then we come to the crux of this passage in verse number 9 where Mark writes, what therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. This word joins together means to be literally glued together, inseparable. And it's used, it's the same word as hold fast or cleave in verse number seven. And what it's saying here is God creates in marriage this beautiful spiritual union that cannot be severed. It's like amputation if it is severed. And it's kind of, that's kind of graphic, right? But that's how harsh it really is when marriages are broken. And so, look, he's saying to you religious leaders or even to us today, you can't just divorce your wife for any reason. You know, like I don't have the same feelings for you or... We don't just enjoy the same things. I don't feel compatible with you. You can't just divorce for any reason. Jesus' teaching, you see, is radically different from the religious of Jesus' day, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, because we know earlier in Mark, it says that he taught with authority because his words came from God, and they knew that his words we're pointing him, pointing people to a different kind of life. 
a life of true happiness, joy, peace, and purpose. But even more than that, he wanted us to know and have a heart, a heart for God and his word, a heart that would be changed and that would value what God values. So, as we think about this, Jesus came and, you know, we know he came, died on the cross, rose again from the dead, ascended to heaven, sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He prays for us now and someday soon he's coming and he's going to restore all brokenness in his creation. Everything that's been busted up, he's going to make new. Isn't that going to be good? We face so much brokenness in our world, church. And how much we need for us, for even our marriages and our brokenness and those who have gone through divorce or those who've been hurt in a relationship. That, that how much do we need God's restoration and a God-centered understanding of marriage? So thirdly, where's your heart? Where's your heart? If you're looking for a loophole or an out in your marriage, you know, you see you're completely, you're missing the whole point of what Jesus is making here. We're seeking, we can seek even to use God's word to justify what we want. More than anything, do you want what God wants for your life, whether you're married or single? Whatever state you're in, are you seeking God's heart and saying, God, align my heart with your desires? It's interesting how Jesus concludes his teaching here. It's, we find it in verse number 10. And it says this, And in the house the disciples asked him about this matter. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. Against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. You see, if we were left only with this passage of Scripture, we would believe his word teaches that divorce is never permitted. And yet we have to look at the whole of God's word, right? Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 27 says, we need to look at the whole counsel every bit of God's word. And we find that in God's word, there are two exceptional situations that permits, not commands, divorce. And we find that in Matthew 19.9, due to adultery, it permits divorce. And then in 1 Corinthians 7.15, if you've been deserted by an unbelieving spouse, it permits divorce and then, of course, remarriage. But remember that these are the only two exceptional cases we find the Bible permits. And you can even use these biblical permissions to kind of get what you want. You can, we, can, we can kind of rationalize things and use and, and, and even follow kind of what we want at times more than what God wants. You know, we, uh, Lizanne and I had a friend who... Um, couple friends who uh, were married and the husband had cheated on the wife repeatedly throughout their young marriage. 
And we, so we got involved in their life and we're counseling with them and we're crying with them and we're working with them. And the guy just continued to be unfaithful to his wife. And we got so far to this point that we said, hey, maybe you, to the wife, you should consider divorcing your husband. So she did the right thing. She went to the Lord knowing the word of God. She knew that First Corinthians or Matthew 19.9 allowed her, permitted her to divorce her husband and to even remarry. Um, <clears throat> but as she went away and asked the Lord, what do you want, Lord? God's spirit clearly told her, stay in the marriage. And so she remained in it. And when she made that decision, not long after that, the husband repented pretty radically. And he came back to his wife. And they were, it was amazing through, it didn't happen overnight, but it happened through the years. They were beautifully restored. And they had children, beautiful children. And today they have wonderful grandchildren. And they are, he is a, a key leader, and she is in the church of Jesus Christ, and it's so glorious to see the restoration God did. And guys, I am so glad that they, she did not listen to what I had to say. You know, she listened to what God had to say, even though God's word permitted her to divorce her husband. She was called by God to remain in. And so today, as you think about this, and where is your heart? Where is your heart? Whatever, whatever place you're in. Let me say, if you, you are struggling today with your marriage, man, these are hard days. I know Tim and myself, Mark, and all your elders, we have seen more and more marriages that have been struggling through COVID. I mean, if you were struggling a little bit before COVID, I mean, COVID has made it even harder. The isolation, politics, just kinds of racial issues, things going on that have created so much turmoil in some marriages. And look, if you're struggling, you're not alone. I, I, honestly, I've probably never known a marriage that hasn't gone through some struggle. Because why? We... Two people coming together who even love God and know him still struggle with our sin and our hearts. And we have to get constantly our hearts realigned with God. So if you're struggling today, man, we want to come alongside of you, love you well, shepherd your heart, and help you with resources that could help you. And, and you're not alone. Please let someone know that you're going through struggles and get some help soon don't wait let someone know who you trust who can help you and walk through the struggles in your marriage and then secondly if 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 your marriage is flourishing let me say this it's not you it's not you and your goodness is not the reason why your marriage is 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 flourishing. It's only God's grace. And by God's grace that any marriage is flourishing, right? Thanks be to him. And so if you are enjoying your marriage right now and things are going well, we have to say, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We praise you for your goodness and how you're teaching us how to own our own sin 
and to help to pursue forgiveness and be the first to humble ourselves in that relationship and continue to pursue that person not for what we want or how we like things, but how to love them well and serve them well. All these things are part and parcel of beautiful, growing, flourishing marriages. And, and look, so don't take the credit, right? And also, look for others you can encourage. I mean, if there's someone single here today and you're married, come alongside of them, encourage them, pray for them. Get to know them. If you know someone in our church who has a struggling marriage, you know, help them. Care for them. Get to know them. Point them to God in his beautiful word and pray for their hearts to be aligned with the glory and beauty of God and his teaching and his ways. But thirdly, if you've you've gone through the pain of being divorced. You know, there are some of you here that have been divorced and you didn't want it. And you went through a really super hard time. You didn't desire it, but you went through crazy hard moments. And, and, and look, may, may we together have grace to realize that, you know, yeah, we all struggle with sin, but man, it's so hard when you're desiring marriage. And, and it goes through, and it goes a different way, and divorce happens. So I love the teaching of David Gusick, and he comments on this passage about, about divorce, and it's super helpful to me. He wrote this. He says, This means that as God looks down from heaven, he does not have three categories, single, married, and divorce. He has two categories, single and married. You are either bound under a marriage vow or you are not. If you are bound, you cannot marry another. If you are not bound, you are free to marry in the Lord. Understanding the whole counsel of God on this subject frees people from the stigma of divorce in the church. And look, guys, we need to be a church to love people who've gone through struggles and divorce. We need to care for them well and come alongside of them and help them to point them to God's word and his heart for them. We are all broken strugglers because of our sin. And then finally, if, if, if you are currently not married and you're a teenager here or even a child and man it's this marriage is hard yeah and you've seen a lot of brokenness in families maybe you've seen it in your family but God really desires for you to pursue his word for your life and to follow him whether it's to marriage or even singlehood and you know if you're called to singlehood I know that's hard too and I'm not sure Many people are like, oh man, I can't wait to be called. No, most people want to be married. But if God calls you to that life, 1 Corinthians 7, 7, he calls you to help my heart, Lord, in this season, in this place, to be satisfied with you in this timing. And, and, And so let's get alongside of those 
that are, that are in our families and that are single and let's love them well and let's point them to the word of God and care for them and, and, and show them really that the more and more and more that we need God's heart for relationship and that God himself pursues relationship with us who are broken, struggling sinners, right? Even though we're his kids, those of us who know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. What blows me away, church, is this, is that the way that Jesus so pursues us you know, he pursued us when he came to this earth and was born and ultimately died on a cross. And last week, Pastor Tim talked about how when Jesus died, he didn't just have a limb cut off, he was cut off from relationship from the Father. When he went to the cross, the perfect God who had complete eternal relationship to the, in the past, perfect relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit, had the ultimate abandonment at the cross. And he, when he took on the sins of the world, he went through a complete separation at that moment. It was like a complete divorce in that moment from the Father. Why? So that we, we who trust in him and turn from our way of life and say, Jesus, by faith, we need you. We can be aligned and be in relationship with God. He brought us and made it possible for us to have that beautiful relationship with him restored. So today, as we come to the Lord's Supper, may we see the beauty and wonder of Christ's work for us. His heart that we sang earlier Yet not I, but Christ in me. All that he did for us. May it move our hearts and lives to be grateful and be people of praise and quick to repent and believe and obey his word. So let's take a moment and just pause and say as we prepare our hearts and lives, many of us who, who know him and and we're turning from our sin that we would say, God, will you show me, will you show me the sin that has separated me from you? Will you show me that? And as he shows you, will you repent and say, I repent, I turn from that. I turn to you, Lord. Give me faith and obedience to do so. Let's pray and we'll go into a a moment of silent repentance. Lord, thank you for your work. We come before you and ask for your spirit to guide us now as we turn to you and prepare our hearts, Lord. Change our hearts to align with you. Show us where our sins have separated us from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram 
at The Vine CC. Have a great week.